This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome in. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I am Jay White. I'm here this morning with Jeremy Thompson and Wilt Scatrer. Jeremy is the owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. And Wilt's is an IT expert, new core steel, and IT uh, instructor at Holmes Community College. We would love to hear from you today regarding uh, our topic that I'll get get into in a minute. And uh, during the uh, opening part of the show, I gave out the wrong telephone number. Uh, I guess I was so uh, plugged into our drive time last week, I gave you the drive number. I mean, if you want to call and support MPB, you can do that whenever you want to. But if you want to talk to us on the show today, I'm going to ask you to call 877-672-7464. Not the other number I gave you before. Comedy all around 877-672-7464 that's 877 thank you mpb ring that's the number to talk to us this morning we got plenty to talk about our big topic today is the social dilemma if you have not seen it yet i highly encourage you watching it and uh, do so with an open mind uh it is a a a 2020 made documentary that is on uh, netflix currently and uh the film explores the rise of social media and the damage it has caused to society, focusing on ex- on its exploitation of its users for financial gain through surveillance, capitalism, and data mining, and how its design is meant to nurture an addiction, uh, as well as its use in politics and effect on mental health, uh, including the mental health uh, health of adolescents and rising teen suicide rates, and its role in spreading cons- conspiracy theories such as uh, uh, Pizzagate, which was a pretty interesting thing that I was not aware of in real time when that happened and aiding uh, groups such as flat earthers. So uh, there's a lot, a lot to dig into. We would love to hear from you again. The number is 877 MPB ring. That's 877-672-7464. You do not have to have watched the social dilemma to have an opinion on this though. You have heard um, the overarching aspect of what the documentary tries to uh, tackle and if you have a thought on that without having seen the social delivery, del- delivery, yeah, the social dilemma, just based on your personal experience, which almost everybody walking the earth has with cell phones and social media accounts and different things like that, we would love to hear from you regardless if you've seen it or not. But if you have seen it, I'd love to know what you think about it. Uh, let's dig right into it. First, Jeremy missed you last week. Uh, last week, welcome back to the show. How are you? How are things going at the shop? Oh, things are good. Appreciate y'all uh, taking care of everything last week. I was pretty under the weather, to be honest with you. I, I just got to feeling better. Uh, so I've been uh, scrambling to uh, catch up on everything that's been waiting for me while I've been out. I understand you have uh, some big, important, awesome news with regarding your business as well. Yeah, this is um, this is something that I have been wanting to share with everybody for a long time. But I didn't have enough confirmation on uh, the other party's end to actually say, yes, this is a sure thing. But um, in November of last year, I was approached by a gentleman named Denny Bubrick, who uh, is the uh, VP of Student Affairs, I believe, at USM. And uh, he said to me, uh, we have had a lot of surveys that say that the students want somewhere on campus where they can bring their computer to get it fixed. Do you want to be the guy and right. i was like i absolutely want to be the guy <laughs> so um this has been in talks for almost an entire year and you know when he came to me last year i would have never expected for it to take 
this long or for it to be this type of year or, or to, to try to be uh, transitioning to something new like this in the middle of a pandemic, you know, when school's up in the air and a lot of people are, are doing distance learning. So I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm not afraid and I'm willing to uh, put my best foot forward and see. So um, it will be opening ASAP. Um, I haven't gotten any confirmation yet that says, hey, come bring us a check and move your stuff in. But as soon as I do, I'm on it and I'm ready to roll. Like I said, I've been waiting for this for 11 months. Um, at the beginning of this year, I was uh, buying all kinds of supplies and getting extra uh, phone screens and everything, just getting ready to stock like a whole new shop. And it didn't happen. Uh, then COVID <laughs> hit. Uh, then I got a call in August and they were like, Hey, are you still wanting to do it? And I was like, yeah, I still want to do it. And they're like, all right, we'll be back in touch. Well, I didn't hear much until this month. And actually I got the contract signed on Friday, which was my birthday. I have uh, oh, happy birthday. turned 34 and that makes 20 years of computers for this guy. Dude, that's pretty incredible. Uh, I imagine it would be a pretty good business model to uh, sit your store down in the middle of a place where 15,000 young adults are situated. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, a whole new way of doing business. I've never had something uh, which would be, um, I would say, like the equivalent of setting up like a repair shop in the middle of the mall or something. Uh, but we're going to be in the student union at USM. So we'll be right there in the middle of where everybody goes and gets their food, Chick-fil-A, Subway, and all that. We'll be right there. So you can drop your device off and then go get you something to eat. Um, I, it's not a very big spot, but I don't need a very big spot to do what I do. I just need a spot to uh, be able to store all the different jobs. But I've got some other plans because the pandemic hasn't been too kind to my business. Even though I'm in IT, it's still a struggle to... Uh, have resources to be available to fix all these different things. Uh, so this is going to uh, to stretch me, but I'm, I'm up to the challenge. Um, this year I've been uh, taking on a lot more jobs, so I've had to get up a lot earlier and bring myself into work. So I may have to get up at 4.30 instead of 5.30 now, but <laughs> I'll figure out a way to make it work. Are you going to drag all your family in there with you, right? Uh, I'm going to try to, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome, dude. Congratulations on the opportunity uh yeah uh wilts man how's it going another week at the plant and another week another week further into the school year that is uh very odd to say the very least on the wind down side of the school year i mean we're starting you know now we're actually talking about because you know they've cut out pretty much all the holidays thanksgiving week is not a vacation this year there's actually finals going on that week and the week before so so, yeah, we've had to kind of compress things a little bit. And, I mean, we're, uh, you know, at, at class this last week, we were talking about, okay, it's time to start getting ready for finals. Let's start talking about what it's going to look like. So, yeah, we're on the tail end of it, man. Um, Turkey Day is almost here. so It really is. I mean, it, completely um, not related to that, but talking about the time that people have missed because of the pandemic and how it's kind of chopping down on, on certain uh, vacations that the kids get during the the course of the year. I was talking to my son uh, uh, earlier or during this past weekend, and I told him that at one point, and maybe in some states they still do, and, and there was this big shift to the idea of not having a big long summer break, but going to school year round and having you know, more short breaks through the course of the year. You guys ever have a? I mean, Wilts, you as a uh, as an instructor, um, you guys, you guys have any thoughts on whether which one of those you would like to have? Would you like to go to school year round with more breaks, or would you like did you like to have that big summer break in the middle? You know, for me, the 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 downside that I see of the summer break sometime because not only am I teaching, I'm also wrapping up my own schooling. So I mean, I'm I'm playing student as well. Um. You end up forgetting a lot, you know, it's like when you have, you know, <laughs> you know, course that's part one of two and, and I teach a couple of those courses and I've taken a couple of those courses. It's like if you do one in the spring and then try to do the other one in the fall, you always have to end up doing that very beginning. It's like, OK, let's go ahead and refresh what we've all forgotten for the last three months. Um, so there's a little bit of that. But I have to say, personally, I'm kind of a fan of the break. I think you've got to have a, a time to wind your brain down and. Um, you know, there's just a lot of opportunities that come into that. And, 
and maybe the greedy side of me being a dad is like, okay, I'm looking forward <laughs> to my, you know, my son coming home for the summer or yeah. you know about to be for winter break, uh, and then you know, especially with my daughter on the you know on the doorstep of actually being gone next year. I mean, from the parents side, I like them coming home. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious. You've got me curious now. I might have to send both of them a note, and I'll, I'm curious of what they would actually say about it. Well, this is one of those opportunities. Well, I mean, this dad. is one of those opportunities because you know, like so many things that, you know, well, maybe we would change this if we had the opportunity, but it's just a machine that keeps on rolling. Well, many of those machines have stopped for this pandemic, and it's allowed people to take a new look at how they do things. I know my, my wife's employer has introduced an entirely new work schedule where they do a lot of four day work weeks now. A lot of a lot of you know, four day work weeks with 10 hour days instead of the traditional five and a lot of a lot of different business owners, small business owners and different companies and corporations have had this opportunity to stop and look at things a new way. Jeremy, what's your thoughts on the whole thing? Um, it's it's very, very challenging um, for everybody. I've, I've got nieces and nephews that are in distance learning and they are just I mean, they're just bored to tears with this thing. And uh, there's, you know, the, the systems that we had in place are not perfect either, because I, I've heard a lot of um, uh, complaints that uh, certain work hasn't been submitted. And then, you know, they'd be like, no, uh, he definitely did that because my brother would be like, no, he definitely did that because I sat there with him while he did it. And oh. then, you know, they submit something and then the school never gets it. And it's like, wow, this could not be worse. Could you imagine? I mean. I was not a big fan of school, you guys. I read computer books while I was in algebra <laughs> class, and my teacher was very upset with me for that. But that said, I, I got my work done, but I couldn't imagine having to do it twice. No, thank you. I can understand why these kids are just about ready to just, you know, go on a rampage. Um, the solution's not great. We were not ready for this. We're still not ready for this thing. We yeah. are just we're grasping at straws and, and taking one step in the dark at a time. And it's not great. And everybody just hang in there. You know, we'll eventually start getting the swing of this thing and getting on the ball with it. But yeah, I, I don't like it. I couldn't imagine doing every class online. I, I, I there's no great solution here because some kids are auditory. Some kids are visual. Some kids aren't good at letting a screen teach them stuff. They need a human being to go, look, this is how you do this. No doubt. Do you have any questions? Yeah. So, it's it's really I'm sure that kids that were struggling are struggling even more. My heart goes out to them. I hope that we have some better solution on the horizon because this ain't it, people. Uh, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, I have four kids and they all handle the situation differently. They all uh, work in different phases of good to meh with it. And I'm also right there with you on the whole trying as a as a parent of students trying to figure out how you know what you see a grade and you're like why is that grade like that did you not do that yeah i did do that why does it say that you know and then for the teachers also and then for things like i know the the school um that my son goes to uses canvas which is a, a thing a lot of schools have used for their online portal so to speak and of course, you know, he has seven different classes and those seven teachers use that portal seven different ways. And that is where it can be. It can get really difficult for a parent to, to kind of monitor what's going on with their child, especially if they're not a straight A student. If they're a straight A student, you don't have to worry about it. It's whatever. But like if you got a kid that you have to keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing to keep his grades Man, you gotta you gotta interpret seven different seven different uses or several different uses of that platform, and it is difficult. And, and that's only one kid. You said you have four kids. I could not imagine <laughs> yeah. what you and your wife are going through to try to keep that wrangled. I I, I could not imagine. Right. I'm glad I do not have kids. Right, right, absolutely. All right, we're going to take our first break here. When we come back, we're going to dig into the topic of the day, uh, the social dilemma, the documentary film, the hit documentary film on Netflix that uh, tackles uh, the, the uh, rise of social media and it's, uh, I'll say, alleged damage that it's caused to society. I'll co-sound on that to a certain extent, but I don't know that we should be so assured of that. It's not such, a, such an affirmative statement. Anyway, we'll talk about it and we would love to hear from you as well. The number is 877-672-7464, 877-MPB-RING. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Jeremy Thompson and Wilts Contreras. I'm Jay White. Thanks for listening. The Social Dilemma uh, is a brand new documentary on uh, Netflix that has uh, received rave reviews. It got a seven of a seven point seven out of ten on IMDb, an eighty seven percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Metacritic has it at seventy eight percent. It's uh, Google. Um, an audience rating summary is a 4.8 out of five stars. That's pretty doggone good. But it is uh, an interesting look at the thing that, to some certain extent, controls almost everyone's life, social media uh, and your handheld electronics and things like that. Uh, we would love to hear from you. If you've seen the documentary, we would love to hear your opinion on it and its premise. The number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. If you haven't seen the documentary, still, uh, especially if you're a parent, you uh, have an understanding of how electronics and social media uh, can control or intervene in things that you're trying to do. or um, it, it has... Tons of ups, great upside, but it also has a negative side as well. Uh, let's uh, start with Jeremy. Jeremy, first, your your uh, overarching thoughts on this documentary. Okay, so um, I really I enjoyed the message uh, from the film. I, I liked most of the movie. I didn't like the little side movie thing they had going on where it was like the kid with his phone and all. I get why they did that. But I just, I don't know. I didn't feel like the message really came across in the right way. I don't know if they did that for the teenagers or what. But basically, the argument here is that these devices, when they were in their inception, these services, when they were being created, they were engineering them to make them as addictive as possible. And so they've gone through and they've they've gone through and studied color schemes and uh, different uh, ways of programming algorithms to make this technology difficult to put down so for instance if you're listening and you're one of those people who likes to sit in front of the tv but you've got your phone in your hand you know just as well as i do that you have to reverse movies and look up and go wait a minute what just happened what's been going on can we back this up this is a very very common thing for a lot of people if you're somebody that likes to eat dinner with your phone in your hand then you have already been sucked into this vortex and pretty much that's all of us to some extent. Um, I have found my own device very difficult to put down, and I know y'all have heard me brag about the uh, the screen time features in our phones that have been programmed in to kind of help counteract this problem. So, you know, every day I have a timer that tells me, oh, you can only use Google Chrome for an hour because I use it specifically to look at Facebook. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, I try to to keep a leash on myself because I noticed that these things were happening to me. I, I probably have days where I spend five hours on my phone. Now, some of that may be work related, but that's not the point. The point is that these things have been designed to stay in your hands. And the problem is, is that this is teaching us how to not be bored all the time. What happens when you've got nothing to do when your battery is dead? Have you ever killed your phone and then put it over on your nightstand and then you would sit there and you try to watch TV and you try to be <laughs> satisfied with the moment. But then what do you find yourself doing? You're reaching over and you're picking up a dead phone and you're going, oh, that's right. I killed it. The battery's dead. I have to let this thing go for a minute. I think that tech addiction is a big problem. And I think that this movie, honestly, it came along too late because this has already been a big problem for a while. And everybody's got a cell phone and everybody is susceptible to this, whether you just logged in for the first time or whether you've been logging in. 
So on your Facebook feeds, for example, they've been customized to meet your needs. They monitor how long you look at a picture of a dog versus a picture of a cat. And if you look at cats more, they're going to throw you more cats because they want you to stay on there. They're competing for your attention. They're literally auctioning off our attention spans. So what do we do about this? Uh, the screen time apps on our phones are a great way to get started on this, but there's ways around that too. For example, I have two browsers on my phone. So whenever I have spent all my time on the imager <laughs> app, I just open Firefox and look at it some more. And I know I'm doing this, but what what do we really do? We, we have to be the ones to discipline ourselves. Now, I'm not a parent, but I have watched these things just absolutely take over kids' lives. And I think that was really the bigger core message from the movie is that this is not so much so big of a problem for grown people this is a bigger problem for the kids that grew up with that screen in their life the entire time we we used to answer a phone that that rang on the wall but it had to be hooked into a wire that went into the ground we don't have to do that anymore we have kids that have never even heard of that so all they know is this magic little screen that mom and dad carry around and they get inducted into a society where we don't live without these things. They've never done it. That's that's strange to us because we had to wait for this technology to come to fruition. But children, young children, they grab that thing. They see mom with it and dad with it all the time. They buy for the attention from that device. And then suddenly that device starts raising them. That's the real yeah. crux of the issue from the movie is that we have a generation of kids that have no discipline, no space from these things whatsoever. And we've got to start establishing that space ourselves because they're not going to do it. It is interesting. Uh, you know, Tristan Harris, uh, who was a designer at Google and had, he left Google to become the uh, or to co-found the Center for Humane Technology. And he's kind of the guy that's he, he's trying to be the insider within the industry that's pushing back against this to a certain extent. But, man, this is one of those toothpaste out of the tube things, man, where these companies, these mega tech companies, which are the biggest companies in the world, the highest grossing companies on the planet Earth right now. Uh, they these things weren't designed to run people's lives like this. I mean, they were designed to be effective and to generate revenue. Don't no no doubt, but they've become so good at it and become so fine tuned that it's 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 not almost. It is scary, you know. That I mean, we what did we joke like a year ago that somebody said um, uh, Stromboli or something around their phone, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're getting Stromboli ads on Facebook and. They didn't even type it in in a search bar. They just set it around their phone, and all of a sudden they're getting searches and things like that. Uh, your point about children growing up in an era where they had a cell phone in their hand, or not necessarily a cell phone, but they had the ability at this instant technology, basically from the time they could walk. That is a... That's a big thing. And it's not a it's it's a perspective I, I had not thought about because I always I, I looked at this from my perspective, you know, and there's been a handful of times where I've looked at my usage of certain apps or different things. And I'm like, you know what, I need to back off that because it's becoming problematic. And I was able to do it. But I think part of it is because like you guys and like I know a lot of people listening, I grew up in a time when they're weren't cell phones and there wasn't even the internet and you had to go outside and entertain yourself somehow or another. And so it's okay. I, I, I kind of, I have the ability to do that. Uh, but children these days, they don't, they, it's harder for them to develop the ability to just go outside and find something to do or sit in the house and find something to do. That's not revolving around the internet or electronics or something like that. And that can be very problematic, especially since these few programs and devices and companies control such a such a big percentage of the use of these things. Wilts, what's what's your thought about um, the, the Social Dilemma documentary and its premise in general? Well, its premise in general is, I kind of agree, it's unfortunately social media has taken over socializing. Um, how many of us, you know, it, it's it's been great to uh, keep up with distant people and I've come across friends that I, you know, lived around in the past and it's been you know it's been great for catching up like that but um you know me personally i find sometimes it's a little bit easier to interact with people in the digital realm than actually i had to go see them face to face and i'm starting to i kind of see that 
with kids as well. They're very in tune with keeping up with everything there. But then the, the problem is, is that, you know, you get somebody who's extremely vocal on something and they're just bombarding, you know, yelling and screaming constantly about something. And I, I watch like my daughter's phone and it's just constant alert, notification, notification, yeah. notification. It's like you never get a break from it. You're constantly bombarded with people um, saying things and it's, I don't, I don't know. I have, you know, I, I, I get, I mean, I do like the distraction every now and then. I mean, I'm, I'm really quick to pick one up and I'll like, you know, throw a card game up, or play a little solitaire or something like that. But I, I think, especially to your point, it's like, you know, okay. For example, whenever we were growing up, or I'll say for myself, whenever I was growing up, when you were grounded, you were sent to your room and guess what you did in your room? <laughs> you didn't do a dang thing. I think today kids stared at the wall. Yeah. Do that to them. They can't, you know, what do you do if you can't do anything? And it's like, you know, well, you can read a book, a book. <laughs> what do I want to read a book for? Um, it's like, you know, you know, it, 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 it's that inability to interact without having that device in your hand. And I think that's where the danger comes in. I think, I think it's great that we have all this information at our fingertips. And I mean, you know, I mean, just, you know, I'd like to go ahead. If, if my any of my former math teachers are listening, I just want to say, yes, I do have a calculator everywhere I go now. <laughs> Y'all said I wouldn't. <laughs> but, you know, um, I mean, it's great. They had these resources that we would have never had access to. And, you know, all this information and, you know, you can argue back and forth of whether the information is good or bad because some people's opinion is worth exactly what you pay for it. But they have all this information. But is it almost too much? It's like, well. Why do I need to think through that? Why don't I go ahead and Google and see what everyone else thinks about it? And then I'll go with that particular opinion. Or why do I need to figure out this problem for myself? I'll go ahead and see how someone else fixed it. And are we losing that ability to to rationalize through it and to have a different, you know, it's like, well, why do I have to go ahead and, you know, make it difficult and think for myself? I'll let somebody else who's already done it. I'll go find a YouTube video if somebody's figured it out. Now, that being said, I've used YouTube videos a million times to figure out things that I don't know how to do, working on yeah. the car and all these other things. So. So again, it's, it's a it's a balance. But back to Jeremy's point, it's a balance that we had to take the accountability and the responsibility to kind of wrangle in and decide what is too much for us and really objectively look at that. That's it, it, a great point. You know, it's it's access to, uh, you know, information and ideas and things like that that would have taken so much work. Or, or that many people would have never had access to, specifically not in your own town or region or anything like that. But at the same time, there's like there's this work ethic with 1988 Jay wanting to know the answer to a question and having to get up in class and go find one of the yearbooks in the back, you know, or an encyclopedia or something like that and look, look it up and actually work yeah. for the answer that I'm looking for as opposed to just doop, 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 in my phone and there it is times 35,000 different you know websites with the same information on it there's something about the ability that it that having to work for the thing that you're wanting that that teaches you a little bit of that work ethic that you need to carry on through life to get things done as opposed to it just being yeah. on call essentially yeah well, you know, what that also does is it enables the people that control that information to reach out to the lowest common denominator. If you're if you're only going for the first page of search results with Google, you're, you may only get one answer, even though that's not uh, the best answer or the most ethical answer. Whatever the case is, there's a lot of potential to spread disinformation that way. And that's that's part of the issue is that we've become so reliant on these companies to deliver that information to us that we believe we're getting unbiased results. But what we're really getting is results that are tailored best to us. Well, and then another thing the with that is want, not necessarily the, the the truth. I mean, I've had to tell my kids multiple times, you know, Wikipedia is great for information, but it's not always factual. Right. It's open source. Um, it's yeah. Opinion as well. I mean, you've seen it many times. Like whenever uh, an actor or an athlete or someone else doesn't, somebody will go into their wiki page and make some kind of goofy something. It's like it's not official. I've heard multiple teachers that'll sit there and say quoting Wikipedia is not quoting a source. You're quoting an opinion. Even though, let's just be honest, there's a lot of 
factual information that's in there. I mean, I think it does a pretty good job of trying to keep some of that garbage out. But, um, but you know, we'd be because we said there's not garbage out there. That's because Wikipedia has moderators that that believe that truth is the highest standard. But what about social media? Where any old person, I, I, you know, I can go out there and post right now, the sky's purple, you guys, and somebody's going to run outside. And, is it really purple? There's, <laughs> there's no requirement for a person just posting random information to make sure that that information is valid. So that's really where the issue comes in is where is the, where is the source of that information? Well, see, that, that's a great question. And I want to dig into that after we take a break here in just a moment. It's, it's, it's the idea that, let's say, something like YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, these things weren't built with the idea that the people who own it were going to be able to, number one, monetize it, and number two, control thought uh, on mass, you know. But at the same time, they have such large user, uh, user bases that those users can control thought and influence people within those. And I think that's like, that's something I don't think YouTube, when it was originally made, I don't think they ever thought that, that was something they were going to have to encounter. Not that they, not that they wouldn't, but I don't think they, they thought that deeply into it. Same thing with Twitter, same thing with Facebook. Um, but now that these things make so much money and there's so many millions and billions of users and things, literally the bees, billions of users in these platforms you know, now all of a sudden it's like, well, this is really dangerous all of a sudden and bad things are happening and, and people with a lot of power are using these things for the wrong purpose. And I mean, look, YouTube can try to moderate videos. Twitter can try to moderate tweets. Facebook can try to moderate posts. They can't do that. There's no way they could stay on top of all of that. There's no way unless they spend a bajillion dollars you know, and, and almost have like a one to one user to moderator ratio, which they're not going to pay for. But this is a, a super intriguing conversation. And I would love to hear some of our listeners thoughts on it. 877 MPB ring. That's 877-672-7464. When we come back, when I ask you guys uh, about a time maybe where you realize that some of your usage was getting out of hand or maybe was there like a, a flashing red light where you were like, whoa, wait a minute. No, no, no. I need to step because I have several of those and I can share my experiences and I would love to hear our uh, from our listeners as well. 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. If you haven't, uh, if you joined us late, we're talking about The Social Dilemma, a documentary on Netflix. And uh, I encourage you to check that out. Uh, if you have not yet, we will take a break. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening. I'm Jay White. I'm here with uh, Jeremy Thompson and Wilt Scutrera. We would love to hear from you. Talking about the uh, social dilemma this morning, you can call us 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. As always, if you have any kind of technology issues, you can always call us as well. 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Uh, as I mentioned before, we took our break uh, I would love to hear from you guys about a time uh, or times that you kind of had this uh, alarm that went off and said, hey, you need to back away from this man. Like for my the biggest one for me, for example, when I uh, in addition to working here at MPB Radio for like I don't know, 12 or 13 years now, however long it's been. 
for the last 20 years or so, I've been an off again, on again, sports radio host in Mississippi. And when Twitter first came out, this was an excellent way to build your brand. And man, oh man, I hate that phrase. But this was an excellent way to put your opinions out to people who are your demos, so to speak. Your show's demo or your, you know, your brand's demo. Brand, I don't have a brand, whatever I'm trying to say. But man, I, I've become, audience, thank you. I became such an addicted Twitter user that it it became, it turned into a thing where something funny would happen or something cool would happen or I'd see something, you know, interesting in a game. And instead of just enjoying it, I'd be like, wait a minute, let me take a picture of this and put it on Twitter. And that became like for a brief period of time, that became my instant react to everything was like, would this be funny on Twitter? Would this picture work on Twitter? I need to put this on Twitter. And after a while, it's like, hey, man, you're not enjoying anything anymore. And then you look around at like sports events or things like that. And people are they're taking pictures of everything and they're videoing everything instead of just watching it and enjoying it. And man, that really hit me. That hit me like a ton of bricks. And I had to um, the the easiest way. And I, I'm still a heavy Twitter user by my own admission. But the way that I could bring myself back in a little bit is I deleted it off my phone totally. And I told myself, OK, no Twitter use for 30 days. And that actually helped because it trained me. It gave me enough time to train me not to think of how this um, this experience in life would work within or would work or play to my Twitter audience. That's literally what it became to a certain extent. And that helped me with that. So that was, that was mine. What about you guys? What do you, do you have you had a, an alarming moment that um, told you you needed to turn around with your use of uh, any kind of like app or uh, just your cell phone, social media, any kind of that in general? Mine has been a lot with different games. I would get obsessed with achievements inside of little instead of different games Mm -hmm. and um, really it wasn't as much my realization coming out other than it was more so the uh the wicked wicked glares of the wife across the table (laughs) of put that dang thing down and it was just that realization that i was for achieving some digital achievement that meant absolutely nothing i was taking away time from my family and uh you know i mean the same seems kind of cliche to say it but i mean it's like you know what what was more important and all of a sudden that game became more important um for whatever reason it called an ocd tendency or what have you um so i deleted the game i mean that was you know the uh, the easiest fix for me it's like okay i'm just gonna go ahead and go cold turkey just like you know when i quit smoking i'll just go ahead and knock this puppy out and uh you know it's made kind of a difference and then from that we've kind of made some different rules around the house if we're sitting at the dinner table which we try to do fairly often um Phones aren't there. Phones don't make it there. Um, it was, it was again when the when the the social media and the social aspect of it was taking over the socialization of it, and that's really that was really kind of our our home defining line. Um, I found myself with that also with say like Facebook. You know, I, I do I enjoy Facebook. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. The last few months I haven't enjoyed Facebook nearly as much. It's just <laughs> I get tired of all the the bickering and everyone who thinks their opinion is more important than someone else's opinion. And it's like, you know what? I want to see funny pictures and I want to see pictures of your family and I want to see those cat and dog videos. And, um, so, you know, I mean, I, I found myself with that it, years ago, I would sit there and get into arguments with people on there. And I kind of realized like the possibility of them changing my opinion was approximately zero. Whereas the probability of, of me changing their opinion was a, about the same um and it was just it, it was causing me actual just you know stress and heartache and headache and that's when i kind of i made that decision that um i think i'm friends with both of you guys on facebook i don't post my opinions on certain things i, mean, I just you know um love you guys y'all probably don't you don't really care about my opinions <laughs> on certain things and, and i'm okay and i had to come to you know with myself i'm okay with that it's all right um Oh, look, man, look, going back to the being a sports radio host, when you're paid to have opinions about stuff, like you train yourself 
to have opinions about stuff. And after, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's like a self-importance where you feel like you got to comment on everything that comes in front of you and you see and things like that. But after a while, you got to tell yourself, you know, I, you got to, you see a, a post or a tweet or post, you know, something like that. And, and I'm even still now I'm having to tell myself, cause I'll start, I'll start oh, this guy, what an idiot. And I'm just typing this thing up and I have to go, you know what? It doesn't matter. What he said doesn't matter, and I don't have to correct him. And the world will keep on going. It's so hard. It's so hard to hand yourself a loss in a conversation that the other person doesn't even know they're winning. But, man, if you could just get over yourself for that that microsecond, it's such, man, the benefit is fantastic. Jeremy, what about you, man? So um, I realized that things were getting out of hand when uh, I couldn't even watch a movie with my ex-wife or eat dinner without one of us picking up our phones. In fact, I eventually made an issue of this, and I was like, look, us sitting together and watching a movie while we're flipping through stuff on our phones is not spending time together. I don't <laughs> care who you are. You need to hear that. That is not quality time. So we resolved that we were going to put the phones down um, whenever we sit at the dinner, t- whenever we sat at the dinner table past since um, we would put the phones facing down. That way we couldn't see notifications or anything like that. And we would leave them there until dinner was done. Um, as far as movies go, I never, I never won that battle. She would never relinquish her phone during a movie. <laughs> so um, that certainly didn't help uh, us stay together. That said, what did I do personally to start uh, counteracting this? Well, like I said, I set the app timers, and I also looked at the apps that I spent most of my time in, which was my email and social media. And so I was like, okay, well, I like to read. I like to learn. So instead of being on social media and just reading a bunch of random stuff and Wilts' funny memes and things like that, <laughs> um, I could use that time in a, in a more uh, efficient way. So I decided, okay – well, instead of using Facebook so much, I'll delete the app off of my phone. I'll only access it through a browser that will let me have 30 minutes a day. And I tell you, I hit that time limit every single day. I lose every single day, but <laughs> I quit. I, I, I put it down. I don't log into Facebook, so at least I'm trying to discipline myself. Um, that said, the most effective thing for me as far as keeping my phone out of my hand was going through and turning off all the notifications for the apps that I did not care about. Yeah. There are some that I do care about that I still want to get notifications from, but I don't need a notification from Gmail every time I have a new email. Come I on. can just open my email on a routine basis and see that. So notifications is really one of the ways that they rope us in to picking that phone up and getting sucked right back into the vortex. You've done it. I've done it. We've all done it. You go, you pick up your phone for that one message, and what do you do right after, right after that? You open up your next message or your next favorite app, and you just keep the cycle going. So nuking notifications was a huge part of taking back over my life. Um, I deleted like Snapchat because I found myself doing the same thing. Oh, I'm going to load this up to Snapchat. People can see all this cool stuff I do with my life. Nobody cares. As much as you want to think they care, nobody cares. Even if you get likes on it, people just thought your picture was cool. Yeah. That said, it was okay with me. I was like, you know, what? I don't need all this attention. I don't need this validation from other people. So Changing those apps over that wasted my time and going for something more educational like Quora or Reddit. And don't get me wrong, Reddit has its <laughs> rabbit holes, too, that you don't want to get sucked in. But there is some good educational stuff that you can find on Reddit. You can subscribe to different you know, different types of news from different uh, subjects. And I like that because I like to be a well-rounded individual. So I like to get news in all sorts of areas. Politics I only recently picked up, but gosh, is that my least favorite thing to read about ever? That said, I still want to be informed to some level, but I make the choice as to when I pick that up and plug in. I don't just get random notifications and updates. You know, being that I have run my business for the last 10 years from the same phone that I get all my personal stuff on, I get a lot of mixture between business and personal. And so I have to be really disciplined because if I don't get my part order in by 4 o'clock, I don't get my iPhone screens the next day. So if I get distracted by an email or arguing with somebody on Facebook, I may completely miss something important that I needed to do that day. And I'm going to go ahead and say, I've done it. I've done it more than once. That's why I have to set alarms on my phone now to remind me, Hey, you're, you're entering the window of missing this opportunity. So 
here's your chance to make up for it. Setting timers has really helped. Just having an alarm that reminds me, this is when you need to get your card orders in. This is when you need to go to the bank and do your deposits. You get sucked into your phone. You lose track of time. It's like going to the casino. They don't want you to see what time it is. They want you to stay at that table as long as possible and drink as much as you can. That's right. Because you're having a great time. No clocks, no windows. So, exactly. So you do get a clock, but how often do you actually look at it? I don't right. know, but I can sit there on my phone and all of a sudden go, dang, it's already 1230 at night. Uh, okay, all right, bedtime. Oh, <laughs> preaching to the choir again. All right, let's go to the phones. We've got a call from Bill and Jackson. Bill, good morning. Thanks for calling. Good morning. Go right ahead. What's happening? Yeah. Hey, Will, it's Bill Thompson. How are you? Hey, Bill, how you doing, man? Long time no speak. Right. I've got a little home HP printer that the power went out on it last night. And I checked the cords with a different cord and the little power supply light on the back of the printer won't come on. Now, it seems to be an easy fix to replace the power supply, but I'm not sure that it's worth it. The printer only costs about $150. It's about four years old. I wouldn't recommend it. That's what, that's what I, I don't think. I don't think Wilts would either. Just because if it's something else, you're now in a new power cord when you could have just gotten a whole new printer. And rather than sit there and try to figure out what it is, you can just easily fix this by replacing it. Yeah, well, the cord the cord is good. It's it's the internal power supply, I think, but because it's got a got a light on it that doesn't light up when the good cord is plugged in. And I yeah, I wouldn't, cord. I wouldn't fool with it. Yeah, yeah, mess, messing with anything with power, you're. Uh... Yeah, you know, yeah, I wouldn't mess with the power power part at all. You probably, with as much as you're into it, I, I would agree with Jeremy. I'd probably look at just you know replacing it with something else. Um, yeah, once you get power issues on those, it's just there's not really a uh, there's not an easy fix, and nobody can really go into them and fix the power supplies on them that much anyway. And yeah. if it's not the power supply and it's some other internal issue, then you just wasted your time trying to fix the power supply yeah, yeah, so really wasted, the ends just, just do not justify the means i just wasted 50 bucks on the power supply right send it back yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right okay. Bill. we appreciate Thanks, the call bye. yes sir right. man it was great to hear from that guy i worked with him a little while back he wasn't actually hard to support or anything actually a really good guy all right so uh one of the interesting parts of the documentary is where they're and i can't i was trying to look it up and i can't remember the guy's name or or he was the uh founder or co-founder of several major of the social media platforms and number one he said that uh, when asked if he would let his kids you know play on his social media platform he quickly said oh no no they don't i won't let them near it and when the guys, the, the interviewer said, what do you think is the worst thing that might come from all of this? And without a blink, the guy said civil war. Now, that is a grandiose answer. But when you look at, I mean, I mean, it is a fact that the, the two main controlling political parties in our country, I mean, they are becoming more and more polarized. And I think a big part of this is because. So much of what we do online, you can curate yourself or so much of it is when these platforms see what you like, they make it such an echo chamber so they can monetize you that we're all seeing the things that we want to see and we're hearing the talk that we want to hear and we, we don't have any diversity. We're not hearing any anybody else's opinions or anybody else's thoughts or I you know no ideology that we haven't already signed off on and I think that's a big issue maybe the biggest issue going forward with you know the, how these platforms kind of micromanage each and every user with their algorithms if we cannot coexist with people that have different opinions then we cannot exist because you and I don't agree on everything. Jay, me and Wilts don't agree on everything, but we can agree to come together and talk about something that we do agree on. And that's kind of 
the opposite of what's happening on social media. Like you said, these echo chambers are being created and this artificial intelligence is throwing you all the information you want to read and none of the stuff you don't. And it creates this mental polarization and we become intolerant of all the things we don't want. Oh, I don't have that in my newsfeed. I don't have to have that in my life. Yeah, that's not the way things work. We have to develop some level of tolerance towards any kind of opposing ideal. Well, maybe not any, but most. Specifically, specifically political uh, um, here yeah, in, here in the United States, man, that's a big issue. And look, I've I've some more of my own personal experience on on Twitter. I've learned that any time my toe dabbles into political talk, uh, people who are willing to post and talk about politics on Twitter are not there for debate. They are not there for discussion, almost exclusively. I don't want to I don't want to say a hundred percent, but Almost exclusively. Uh, people are not there to discuss. They're not there to learn. They're here to tell you why you're wrong. And that's why getting into like political dialogue is mm, that's a that's a slippery slope on Facebook, as we've all seen, or on Twitter, as we've all seen. Yeah. All too often, some people out there, they don't want to hear any other opinion. They just want to hear their own opinion in a different voice. That's Validation. It validation yeah that's it guys thank you so much for the talk today it's a lot of fun not nearly the the involvement from our audience that i thought we would get from this maybe we, maybe shocked. our talk was so intriguing that people were just dumbfounded in their cars and listening on their phones they were just introspective out of all this awesome talk we had on the show today at least that's what i'm trusting anyway so we'll be back <laughs> a week from now wednesday at 10 for everyday tech stay tuned up next is the original Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart right here on MPB Think Radio. contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.